What's up, guys? This is UFC Unwrapped. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Brent. Uh, today, I'm joined by a special guest, Zan Bando. You can find him on Twitter at ZanBando99. Uh, Zan, you want to say what's up? What's up, guys? Uh, thank you, Brent, for welcoming me to the program. I've been looking forward to getting on one of these podcasts for a while, and I feel like we have a lot to cover. As Brent said, you can follow me on Twitter at ZanBando99. I have a lot of interesting takes just so you guys know, to put in the plug as well, to follow uh, UFC Unwrapped, as Brent mentions uh, so far in all of his podcasts, that is, the, that is the only live MMA forum on Twitter. So if you can go on there, follow him, who will likely follow you back, and you can get your name out there and talk a little bit about mixed martial arts, because there's always things in this sport that go on every single day. There's never, there's never an off-season in MMA, which makes it really interesting, and we just keep the UFC train rolling from event to event. We have a, we have another event this weekend from Minneapolis, headlined by Francis Ngannou and Junior Dos Santos. And for those of you who follow the sport closely, you might remember this fight was uh, meant to be booked for UFC 239, but some reshuffling of the cards uh, put it in Minneapolis. And I think fans are in for a real treat. Just FYI, the entire card will be broadcasted live on linear ESPN. There's no ESPN Plus this weekend. Uh, the first fight is at um, is at se- is at seven o'clock Eastern, I believe. It will be four Pacific, with the main card following shortly thereafter. So that's five hours of free UFC for you guys this weekend, which all culminates next weekend with International Fight Week at UFC 239, headlined by John Jones and Tiago Santos, Amanda Nunes, and Holly Holm, uh, Ben Askren and Jorge Masvidal, and a whole host of other evening fights. It's probably the best international fight week card of the UFC has put together, but today we will cover UFC in Minneapolis, which takes place this Saturday. It should be a fantastic card that is being completely overlooked. Awesome. Thanks for all the info, Zan. Appreciate it. Um, real quick, you want to talk a little bit about yourself, like what you're, what you're doing right now, where you're calling in from, so just that way people kind of know a little bit about you too before we get down to the fights? Yeah, Absolutely. So I'm calling in from uh, Downers Grove, Illinois, the western suburb of Chicago. Right now, I am a I am entering a sophomore year at the University of Illinois and majoring in journalism, hopefully with a focus in sports. I've been following mixed martial arts and the UFC since 2006. And just one day, I came across a tweet um, and uh, Unwrapped Sports Network. If you haven't followed them, please do so on Twitter. They were looking for writers, so I reached out and I, I got in contact and Fahadi, as you guys all know, and I've been writing for them. I'm also doing some stuff for fan-sided right now and just trying my best to keep up with the sport of MMA as much as I possibly can because um, it is a great sport, and now that they're mainstream on ESPN, there's never been a better time to be a UFC fan. That's for sure. I agree. Damn straight. And I've been looking forward to get you, uh, getting you on the podcast too, Zan, so I appreciate you making the time. Uh, You're welcome. So let's do this thing, man. Uh, UFC Minneapolis this weekend. Uh, there's some fights that I wanted to talk about. I think Zan has a couple of his personal f- favorite fights on the card, too, that he has some takes. So we're going to kind of bounce off each other, give our takes. I'm going to talk about uh, the betting lines, the betting odds, how to bet on these types of fights, and my predictions. Uh, again, these are all just betting tips and opinions. They're not. I'm not taking any payment from people i'm not a handicapper so uh these are just my opinions so bet at your own risk 
Uh, here we go. The first fight that I want to start with is Eric Anders versus Moriera. So Anders is a minus 400 coming into this fight, and Moriera is a plus 320. So um, you can bet on these fights. I like to use mybookie.ag. It's a really good website. Um, it's kind of a hassle to get set up because you have to send in a lot of different documentation, like a utility bill and your ID and stuff. But once that's all cleared, they're the they're the best website that I've ever used to do parlays for UFC and uh, straight bets too. They always have really good odds. So that's mybookie.ag. That's not an ad either. That's just personally what I would use. So anyway, a minus 400, what that means on Anders is that you have to bet 40 bucks to profit $10. So your 40 bucks would turn into 50 bucks if Anders won on this fight. And then for Moriera at a plus 320, so the plus means that he's the underdog. So plus 320 means I bet 10 and I profit uh, $32. So I would end up getting $42 okay, that, that, back on a $10 bet. Okay, that makes total sense now. Yeah, it's going to take some getting used to, but um, it's really easy to get the hang of. And also, I would recommend like for those who like to parlay, um, when you do throw in an underdog on your parlay, it really enhances your payout. But obviously, you don't you're not in the same uh, favoritism to win your bet unless you really know what you're doing. But in this case, I'm actually taking the underdog Moriera at plus 320. So uh, Anders is one in his last five. He's never been submitted before. He does have KO power. He's not afraid to get into a slugfest. Uh, he's a dangerous guy. Even though he is one in five, he is a dangerous guy. Uh, I can see him getting the KO on Moriera because the thing that I've noticed about Moriera in his fights is he doesn't necessarily have that killer instinct inside him. He's a submission artist, a heavy submission artist, but... He doesn't have that killer instinct that I would like to see in someone like if you have that kind of ground game, it's I mean, Damian Maya, it's a similar situation, not much of a killer instinct. But once they get a hold of you, it's kind of over. I I think if Moriera can uh, either not get hit or he can weather an early storm, he should be able to get a hold of Anders and give him his first submission loss. Uh, Moriera is nine and two. He's been KO'd twice. So. You know, the chin is susceptible. I just, for whatever reason, I just think like, you know, Anders being one in five, it might be Moriera's time. Um, hopefully he, he, I think he did get KO'd by Manyfield in one of his last fights. who's also fighting on this card. But I just, I want to see him um, implement a real game plan, get Anders to the ground and uh, maybe secure a rear naked choke on Anders. So he does have decent wrestling Anders. So I don't know. It's going to be a tough one. That's my underdog pick on the card, uh, Moriera. And uh, so, Zan, what do you have to say about this fight? So uh, this fight's very interesting. As you as you said, uh, Alonzo Manifield did knock out Moriera in his UFC debut. Uh, to me, it's crazy that they're giving him Anders in, um, in his second fight. Um Kind of similar to what you said, I think what Anders needs to do is he needs to make sure um, that his takedown defense is on point and he needs to make sure that his striking is intact because if he doesn't do that, Moriarty is just going to get a hold of him, take him to the ground and have a chance to submit him because that's what the majority of um, really skilled um, really skilled uh, jiu-jitsu artists do. 
So Andrews better be careful. And then Andrews might go back to his wrestling base. Obviously, um, he's built for a big guy. He used to be a former uh, Alabama Clemson Tide football star a couple of years ago. So you know, um, you you know he has the build to be a freak athlete. And you know, with a one in five record in its last six, uh, it's got to motivate him to do better. Um, I'm actually I'm. Actually, I'm actually going to take the favorite Anders in this fight. Um, this is um, I'm not a um, I'm not a betting man as of yet because I'm not of age. But if I uh, but if I were a betting man, I would absolutely I would absolutely stay a stay away from this fight. Yes, I understand that Moriarty is the underdog, but I feel like if you look at this fight from an MMA perspective, just a straight MMA perspective, you might have a pretty even fight here. So I'm a little bit I'm a little bit I'm a little bit surprised we're looking at these odds to be quite honest with you I thought they were going to be much closer than they than they than they were so I completely agree with you I think Anders as a minus 400 is uh I don't know man it's flattering for Anders to be a minus 400 against this guy it's just especially with especially with his record in his last six it doesn't really make too much sense to me to be quite honest with you and you can make the argument that Moriera has a better record than Anders too so definitely and it, but it all comes down to the level of competition you're fighting and what we haven't right. seen is Moriera fight the guys that Anders is fighting it's almost like they've been fighting in two different organizations like from what their records actually consist of. Yeah, that makes total sense too. I would agree. Yep. Yeah, I just for whatever reason though, I see uh, this. It might, it might be Moriera's time to display his jujitsu game. I just I don't know. I get this inclination that Anders isn't going to come out with a killer instinct and like flatline this guy. And if it does go to the ground, um, I mean, all this guy's wins are by submission. I'm pretty sure. So it's just trouble for Anders if he gets on the ground. It's it's maybe don't bet at all. Like as you said, Zan. But uh, if I had yeah. to, if I had to pick an underdog on this card, it it might be, it might be this guy Moriera. But yeah, maybe you're right. Don't stay away from this card. <laughs> stay away from that fight. Um. All right, moving on to the next fight, we have Ramos versus Musin. So Ricardo Ramos, uh, man, I think the kid's 23 years old, but he has he some is. skills. He, he has some serious, serious skills. He put away uh, Faraz Sahabi's younger brother in one of his last fights with a crazy back spinning elbow the odds on this fight um ramos is a minus 325 meaning you have to bet 32 dollars and 50 cents in order to profit 10 dollars. so you'd turn your 3250 to 4250 uh on newson he's a plus 250 so you would bet 10 dollars and profit 25 so your your 10 would turn into 35 on newson so um you know, again, Ramos, super, super crafty guy. He did get KO'd in his last fight by a, a really talented uh, guy, and I think his name was Sed Nurmagomedov. So that yeah, was that's right. That's exactly right. That was a yep. beautiful display of um, just absolute Muay Thai technician on Nurmagomedov's part. He didn't really give Ramos room to breathe, and then he put him away with a, I believe it was a spinning back kick to the liver. So. You know, coming into this fight, though, I think Ramos is going to come in um, looking for a vengeance. And I kind of feel bad for this for this guy. I think it's uh, Newsom's UFC debut. He is 7-1. and one. But I think that Ramos is 
way too talented to get put away by this by this guy. No, nothing against. Uh, I think his name is Journey Newson. Nothing against yeah, him. Right. Nothing against him. I just think Ramos. It's uh, it's his time. He's young. He's getting better. He did get finished in his last fight, but I think he learned from that, and he's gonna control the distance in this fight. Um, I'm expecting Ramos to probably flatline KO this guy, uh, Newson, in the second round. I think it's gonna be you're you're gonna see a lot of spinning techniques, spinning back fist, uh, spinning back elbows again. I think he's gonna catch him. So minus three twenty five yeah, Ramos. That's my pick. Second round KO. So yeah, like you were saying, he's only twenty three years old. Um, he beat Kane Kion Hu in his UFC debut back at UFC two twenty seven. Uh, this guy was discovered on uh, Dana White's Looking for a Fight series. You can catch that every month on YouTube. And he got to see Ramos fight twice. Super impressive ground skills. Very exciting fighter. Uh, super flashy striking. Uh, just all around, um, all around, all around a stud. Um, you know, he fought, uh, said uh, Nurmagomedov, as you said uh, previously, in your breakdown. Um, I feel like that that was a learning experience fight for him. They're giving him a little bit, bit of an easier fight in Houston. I would actually bet on this fight. You know, also pick uh, Ricardo Ramos as well. And this should be this should be a fight where Ricardo Ramos should be able to display uh, his full skill set. Uh, this is a guy that could be a future star tomorrow. And thankfully, this fight is on ESPN, so people will get a chance to see how talented this guy really is because. If he can win this fight and if he can do it impressively, this guy's the sky's the limit for him. So this is a, this is a nice bounce back fight. It'd be a pretty easy win. I actually have been beating uh, beating Houston in the first round instead of the second round. So love it, love it. I agree completely with everything you just said, Zan. Sky's the okay. limit for this kid. I'm, I'm super glad. excited to see him. Do you know if he's on the he's on the prelims, right? Yeah, he is. It's the second fight on the undercard. Yeah. Okay, awesome. All right, so moving on to the next fight, we have uh, Paul Craig, the Bear Jew, at plus two fifty versus Manyfield minus three twenty five. So, um, again, plus two fifty. He's the underdog, meaning you bet ten, you profit twenty five. So you turn your ten to thirty five on Bear Jew. And then, um, and also I'm allowed to call him Bear Jew because that's his nickname and I'm a Jew. So, pop off. And then minus 325 for many fields. So, I bet 3250 and then I profit 10. So, I turn my 3250 to 4250. So, what we've learned about Paul Craig is that he can pull off ridiculous submissions from anywhere. His jujitsu game's insane. That's where you can't count the guy out because he does end up on his back a lot because uh, he gets hurt kind of easily, it seems. I mean, he's fighting decently tough competition, but we see him go down pretty easily. I don't know if it's because he's just pulling guard or if he's legitimately hurt in these situations, but we in his last fight, we saw him pull off a super last-second submission after just getting kind of demolished for three rounds and then in the last crazy fu- crazy fight he beat this kid uh kennedy kennedy ninjoku and ninjoku was super impressive so if you really think about it ninjoku's record going into that fight next you know paul they gave him his first loss and you know that's one that ninjoku would have won an easy 30 
27 unanimous, <laughs> unanimous decision against him, mm-hmm. and uh, Paul Craig spoiled the party. So that's that's a huge that's a huge win for Paul Craig. He's in the height of his prime right now, only 31 years old, and a pretty solid record is 11 and three. Um, I'm going to let you make your prediction, but all I got to say on this one is I think ex- I think experience is going to meet is, is going to meet its match in this fight. I actually am taking Paul Craig to get his second consecutive win. So, hey, I'm not against that pick at all. I'm not against it. Um, I oh, just actually, yeah, 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 exactly. And his last loss was was to a solid fighter and Jim Crew back in December of 2018. He's been on a nice mini roll ever since that loss to Jim Crude. He lost by submission with ten seconds to go in the fight. So, and he, he was know. fighting for his his UFC contract on that fight too, because they were going to cut him if he lost. Right. So that was mm-hmm. that was his uh, his career. That was his contract on the line. He pulled it off. I have I have faith in Paul Craig. I do. Um, I wouldn't bet on the fight though, just because we don't know which. Paul Craig's going to show up. As I said, like from what I've seen, his actually his striking is pretty decent, but he gets caught. He has good technique. He's really uh his dexterity's there. He can he he's versatile in his striking. He can head kick, but he just gets caught from what I've seen and I really really hope he can pull it off cuz I actually am super fond of this guy. I really do like him. Um I haven't bet on him in a while, but I used to bet on him in his earlier fights and it I loved it. And I love that. And I hope he can pull off. My heart is with Craig. It really is. I, I hope he can pull off a submission. I just feel like Manyfield's structure, the way he stands there, he doesn't stand super tall. He's He has like a pretty wide stance. So I don't see Bearju like going for a takedown on him. I think uh, okay. Manyfield's going to keep his distance. He's going to use his 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 size and his, his reach to keep Paul Craig kind of on the ends of the punches. And I think he's going to get caught. That's just my opinion. Uh, I think he's going to KO him in the first round. And that hurts to say because I love Paul Craig. I really do. But I just see Manyfield catching him on the chin flush. Interesting. Um, I'll actually take Paul Craig by split decision in that one. It'll be a very, very tough fight. But I don't know. It's it's a fight where it's a crosswords fight. I mean, this is, without a doubt, the best fighter Alonzo Menefield has ever fought. If he can get past Paul Craig, I I think you can make the argument that he would be in the mix of that top fifteen, top twenty range in that loaded division. So that's a that's a fight that I think um, if you want to tune into the prelims, that fight and the Anders fight are the two fights I would watch for sure out of out of all of the preliminary fights. Oh, I would for sure want to watch the Ramos fight. I'm not going to miss the Ramos fight. No way. <laughs> absolutely absolutely so moving on to the next fight uh we have damien maya at minus 200 versus martin at plus 160 so um that makes maya the the favorite in this fight and uh so you know maya won in one in his last four he's 41 years old now he's he's only fought in top contenders though like recently so yeah. his his, yeah, his resume is, is very beautiful regardless very, very beautiful resume, and excuse me, this is an interesting development that I'm just realizing. There's only three fights on this main card, so it's different than many other fight cards. You normally see four to five fights on the main card. This preliminary card is loaded 
Let's have the top three fights be Damian Maya, Anthony Rocco, Martin, Juicy A. Formiga, Joseph Benavidez, and Negrano and Dos Santos. That is, that is tremendous. So those, the, the, those three fights on the main card are worth it. And this is a fight where if Anthony Rocco Martin can win this fight, it will change his whole career. That's for sure. I agree with you. I 100% agree. I just, so as far as what my pick is on this fight, like how I come to the conclusion for my pick, because as I said, Maya's, you know, he's one and four, he's 41 and, but he's only fought in top contenders and he's done well against them. He hasn't gotten like completely outclassed, but, and also Martin's a grappler himself. Um, Martin hasn't fought the same kind of competition that Maya's fought. So, Usually, no, but I, no, but I personally think that the Ryan Wolfler and Jake Matthews wins were no slouch either. I mean, that guy went three and zero in twenty eighteen. Oh, kudos, kudos to him. I mean, he's been on a pretty impressive win streak as of late, and Maya is definitely his toughest test, without a doubt. It's yeah. a huge step up in competition for Rocco Martin. Exactly, huge. exactly. It's a huge step up in competition, and. The thing is, is like, yeah, uh, Martin has striking, but his his forte is really in his grappling, and I think that's just where he's right. going to get neutralized. And so, because of that, I see I see Maya submitting him maybe in the third round, or or winning a or winning a unanimous decision. I think I think Martin honestly needs to keep this fight on the feet, even though he is a grappler by heart. He needs to keep the fight on the on the feet. And try to really wear down Maya. Be the fresher, younger guy. Use his cardio. Make make Maya really work. And that's, I think, his way to win. I think if this fight ends up on the ground where Maya or Martin would be more comfortable, I think he's also going to make Maya even way more comfortable. And he's going to leave himself susceptible to being outclassed on the ground. He needs to keep this fight on the feet. But my pick is that Maya gets the submission in the third round. Okay, I actually think that Maya wins by unanimous decision. I think we see some interesting flashes from Rocco Martin, but at the end of the day, uh, his takedown defense won't be good enough in order to um, in order to sustain Maya's tremendous Brazilian jiu-jitsu, uh, jiu-jitsu skills. I mean, as you said, Maya has a tremendous resume. He's 41 years old. His record is tremendous. He's just never really gotten to the point of uh, becoming a UFC champion. He's had numerous chances to do so, and, you know, he's still kicking it. So this fight against Rocco Martin, um, you know, experience could really play a factor, as I said with one of the previous other fights on the prelims. And overall, I think that this is a good step up in competition for Rocco Martin. If he loses the fight, and the fight's a long fight, he'll have a chance to really go back and look at the tape and see what he did wrong. And and for Maya, you know, this is a fight where he's just got to go in, take care of business, not worry about Rocco Martin's record or any of the guys who he's beat. Um, you know, Martin's last fight was a was a decision winning against Sergio Moraes, and you know, you know, you know, Moraes has had some has had some growing pains so far, but the UFC is still pretty high on him. So, you know, overall, I think that this is a fight where Martin's got to be careful, and like and like you said, Martin has to stay on the feet. Have to stay on the feet or also lose the fight. So, yeah. So I'm, I'm with you on that. If let's say Maya loses, is this retirement? Uh, potentially. 
it, it, it has to be in the fashion that he loses. If he gets completely outclassed and gets finished, maybe. But if he loses a decision or it's a hard-fought fight, then probably not. Probably not. Okay, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. All right, so moving on to the next fight. Um, we have Benavidez versus Formiga. So Benavidez minus 180 and Formiga plus 150. Uh, I'm actually super excited to watch this fight. Even though these are uh, these are some smaller guys, it's most likely going to go to a decision in my opinion. But I see Benavidez just doing everything Formiga does and a little bit better. And so, you know, I mean, he hasn't really lost Benavidez in like six years. He lost a split decision within that six years, but like he has a win over Henry Cejudo. Um, Formiga's never finished anyone by KO and he lost already to Benavidez six years ago. They have fought before. It was six years ago, but I don't see anything changing. I think that Benavidez is always just going to be a little bit better at whatever Formiga does. And he just has a little bit more uh, in his utility belt too. Like his tool set is just more there than Formiga's. I think he puts everything together well. And I like I like Benavidez's game. I think Benavidez wins by a unanimous decision. Okay, this is a, this is a great fight, uh, obviously. Uh, tell me if you agree with this one, Brent. But I think this fight... You can make the argument, even though it's not on the line, you can make an argument that this is for the interim flyweight championship because we don't know how Segudo's health is, and I think whoever wins this fight is going to be a clear number one contender. What do you What do you think? I mean, for sure. There's no doubt about it. I 100% agree with you. Um, um, I do think, though, uh, this is a great fight. Obviously, Benavidez. Coming from Team Alpha Male and Uriah Faber and all of those guys, he's got a tremendous team behind him. Uh, this guy's fought the UFC ever since the merger uh, back in 2011, I think it was. And overall, he's just been a tremendous talent. I mean, he's fought the who's who, best of the best. Uh, DJ and Cejudo come to mind right off the bat. Um, obviously, uh, obviously, Formiga has never knocked anybody out, so that'll be interesting to see if... Uh, to see if uh, Formiga can catch Benavidez's chin. And if you forgot, Brent, in the Mighty Mouse Benavidez 2 fight, uh, DJ knocked him out with an uppercut and he was out cold. Oh, you never, you never know. If Formiga's hands touch Benavidez, he might go nighty-night. This fight's a very interesting fight. I would actually stay away from this fight because it's too close to call. If you're a betting man, Benavidez is the better fighter, so I will pick him to win, but this is a... This is a fight that I would. This is a fight that I would stay away from because they're just too evenly matched. They're too. Um, they're too just beautifully uh, uh, tactical MMA fighters and guys who really know the game well. And personally, I think whoever wins this fight is going to get a title shot. I would love to see Benavidez fight Cejudo again because, as you know, that that Cejudo fight was a couple years ago, and obviously Cejudo has gotten better since then. You know, he's had world class wins. Obviously, his last three Merlin, um, Merlin Morais, TJ Dillashaw, and sending Mighty Mouse to one fighting championship to win the title. So that would be a rematch I would love to see. And with that, I will take Benavidez. Um, uh, I will take him by second round TKO. I actually don't think this fight will go the distance. I think it will be a very entertaining fight, though. Love it. I love your take, man. 
I couldn't agree more. I think a rematch with Cejudo would be phenomenal. Really easy to market that too. I'm really interested to see it. I want. I just. I just want to see uh, Benavidez. Like, if they look good. See, the thing is, is is somehow, if somehow this fight is just boring, they're not gonna give either of them a title shot. Right. I just don't see with how well they're skilled how this fight could be boring. If that makes sense, I don't see. I don't see that. Yeah, I agree with you. So hopefully, hopefully that we're both right on that. Because that would just be unfortunate for the flyweight division, even if it's a boring fight for the whole division. I, I agree. I, I agree. And if you look at some of these fights at the top, right of the flyweight division, you know they're thinking about maybe, uh, maybe the flyweight division goes away. Well, this is one of those other fights that where 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 they where they kind of need one of these guys to work impressive because I I think the division is now down to ten fighters or something. So. This is a fight that needs to go well from a marketing perspective. And this is a fight where um, it could easily headline an ESPN Plus uh, pay-per-view. Whoever fights Cejudo next, if they look impressive enough. And thankfully, these guys are fighting on ESPN. I mean, this is the best that the UFC has to offer for the lighter weight classes. And new fans will will be able to see some of the best um, MMA fighters. It was in the sport from the male category with the top two fights coming up. I'm super excited to talk about the main event next. All right, so moving on to that main event, uh, Dos Santos at a plus 200 versus Ingano at a minus 270. First of all, <laughs> I want to talk about how insulting this kind of is to Dos Santos here. Uh, plus 200, that means you bet 10 bucks and you profit 20, so you get $30 on your 10. Uh, versus Ingano at minus two seventy, so you have to bet twenty seven dollars to profit ten dollars. So you get your twenty seven dollars turns to thirty seven. Uh, this is, I mean, damn, I was. It's just kind of insulting because Dos Santos isn't an old guy. He's only thirty four, thirty five years old. Um, his boxing pedigree is there. He's a smart, smart boxer. He's. I don't think. He's going to go in the, into this fight the same way uh, Alistair Overeem did against Ngannou, who Overeem has one of the highest striking pedigrees in UFC history, and he went out there and didn't didn't fight in a calculated way, and he got caught. No, I I don't exactly. think I don't think uh, Junior's that unintelligent to do that. I think he's learned from everyone's mistakes. I think Ngannou has had enough exposure in the UFC to where you can really watch film on him now. And I don't think Overeem really got that from before he fought Ngano. He kind of had to go in there and just cross his fingers because he didn't. There's not much tape to watch on Ngano at that time. But now there's like all this new footage. There's all this new tape. A lot more to study. I think Dos Santos, him and his him and his coach, they develop a really smart game plan. I think Dos Santos's fight IQ is there. Uh, I think. My heart says that Dos Santos really humbles Ngano in this fight. And I actually wouldn't be surprised if we see Dos Santos finish Ngano by TKO. Uh, but here's some facts. I mean, Junior, he gets caught. He, he's get, he, he's been KO'd like every two years for the past six years. and he, But he recently finished Tai Tuivasa and Derek Lewis, which are actually two very noticeable wins. Those, those guys are monsters. So... 
even though he does get KO'd about every two years, he still he still has it. He's still got it. He's still showing us that he's improving. His cardio's gotten better. Um, but the thing is, Francis has never gotten finished. Francis has never been finished. And, uh, you know, I don't really think this fight is going to go to the ground. But, like, if it does, Dos Santos does have a decent ground game. But Francis is freakishly strong. Like, freakishly strong. And I think he's strong enough to get a submission with not that good of technique. So it would suck to see Francis get a hold of a worn down Dos Santos and just kind of squeeze his head until something Dos Santos would be forced to tap. I don't think that that's what's going to happen by any means, but that could happen. Francis has submission wins and people don't really talk about that. But with oh, everything know, I've said, no, they don't. you know, yeah, no one really talks about that. And, um, but I, again, I don't think it's going to end up there. I think, my heart says Dos Santos humbles Ngannou in this fight, boxes his ears off, really displays some beautiful boxing. Some He puts the pressure on Ngannou. I think we might even see Ngannou on his back foot in this fight. But what my brain says is that Ngannou is just way, way too explosive and strong. And uh, people get hit. And I think all it takes for Ngannou is not even one full punch to put you out. I, I think it takes half a punch from Ngannou to put you out. And because of that, I wouldn't be surprised if we get Francis um, to win by KO in the mid to late first round. That's that's an interesting take. Um, you know, personally, Brent, I think uh, Ngannou is still trying to get his name back after the embarrassment that he gave everybody back at UFC 226 against Derek Lewis. He obviously won his last fight in impressive fashion, but uh, I don't know if you realize this, Brent, but uh, JDS has now been in the UFC uh, this October. It will be his 10th year in the UFC. And that's just saying a lot, because he's fought the, the who's who with the heavy division in a division that's been kind of weak over the last couple of years, but continues to get better and better uh, by the year, right? And this is one of those fights that's being swept on because... You have you have uh, Stipe fighting uh, Daniel Cormier in August for the heavyweight championship. So this fight is just kind of sitting out there, uh, sitting out there in the woodwork, and I feel like it's not getting the buzz that it should, considering it's on free TV. And these two guys are are, are big heavyweights. They like to uh, they like to go in there and bang it out. And you know, I think Dos Santos has to be careful of uh, Nagano's power shot and. You know, I'm not saying Dos Santos needs to play it safe the whole fight. What I am saying, though, is that he just needs to be very careful because Nagano can knock anybody out. He's shown that in the past. And, you know, it's it's one of those fights where if Nagano can win, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, it's clear that he's going to get a title shot uh, no matter who wins, uh, who wins the Steve Bay again, according to the fight. I do think JDS has a lot more to prove in this fight just because. He did go through the ranks and uh, beat some guys that are that are not as as relatively known as let's say a Kane Velasquez or something like that. But this is one of those fights where it's a clear passing of the torch fight, and you might see a, you might see a surprise. Um, I actually do think Ningano wins the fight. I think it'll be a very very exciting fight to watch. I think JDS will be in it the whole time. I think Ningano does finish him late in the second round. He tires JDS out, uh, gets 
on top of him and just rains terror upon him. Uh, I don't think we'll see JDS's uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu skills really displayed, uh, if at all. And I do think that Ngano does win the fight, but I do think JDS will give Francis a run for his money uh, for most of it. That's for sure. so that's a fight that I'm super, super excited about. And I think it's very cool that the people in Minnesota get a chance to see it as their main event uh, for a fight that was supposed to be one of the headliners on the International Fight League card by Saturday. Still a great card even without it, but it's cool that they put it on the Minnesota card. And it's great that they didn't that they didn't reschedule the fight or move the fight around and have Francis or Junior fight somebody else. So I think it works out pretty darn perfectly. So let me ask you something. So as you said, uh, the winner of this fight gets that title shot for the heavyweight belt after DC and Stipe plays out, right? Yes, that's my that's my prediction. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. what's your prediction for Stipe versus DC? Um, personally, I think Stipe got caught the first time, and I thought Stipe was going to win that fight. I really did, and I thought that Cormier. You know, just kind of had the better game plan in that fight. I don't think Stipe really knew what was coming. But, you know, I think uh, wrestling will be a big factor in the rematch. Um, I think if Stipe can control the center of the octagon, maybe get two takedowns on Cormier. Because what Cormier doesn't like, if you watch the if you watch the Jones fight, uh, particularly the second one, Cormier does not like to get hit at all. So if, if Stipe can hit him with something, oh, damn, uh, you... Hey, you might see you might see Stipe get his heavyweight title back, and that actually is what I think is going to happen uh, in LA on August on uh, on August um, on August seventeenth. That's what that's what I think. Do you think Stipe puts DC away? I do, I do, and I think he sends Cormier into retirement. That's what I think, and we don't see the Jones Cormier uh, rematch. We don't, we don't see the trilogy fight. Damn, bold take, bold take. Um, so, my opinion on that fight, I actually think uh, DC gets it done the same way. I think he gets it done, maybe... Uh, the thing is, I think this fight's probably going to go into the later rounds this time. I could even see it going into like the third round, maybe even fourth round. But I think DC gets it done again. I think DC has the... In my opinion, he has the highest fight IQ in the UFC. I mean, not named John Jones, obviously. I think uh, right. those guys are those guys are. I, John Jones is like a cheat code. I don't even like to to compare him with the rest of the guys, but I think DC really is right there with the highest fight IQ in the UFC. I think he makes mid fight adjustments that take just a millisecond. And uh, you know, I was at his fight with DC, with uh, Jones, the rematch where he got finished. What we saw in that fight, though, was uh, DC was actually kind of boxing, boxing Jones up, and he was making. Yeah, he fought. Yeah, he fought pretty well. You could make you could make the argument that uh, I saw some scorecards going into round three, saying that he was winning the fight. That's how so, I had it too. Yeah. That's exactly. I had him winning the fight too while I was there. Uh, I just think DC's too good, man. I think DC's too good. He he makes those adjustments. He's super super durable. I mean, he went undefeated at heavyweight. He's still undefeated at heavyweight. Um, let's say the winner of this fight is DC. So, who's the better matchup? I mean, DC versus Ngano or DC versus Dos Santos? 
Well, I think Nangano is the tougher fight for Cormier, but I think Dos Santos is a legacy fight. You know, if you notice in a lot of Cormier's interviews, he looks up to most of the guys he fights, right? And mm-hmm. I think this is I think this is one of those fights where Cormier would be absolutely honored to fight JDF. But I think Nangano and DC is the bigger money fight. And I think and I think that that's the fight that more people would tune in to watch. And I think I think you'll see Nangano uh, versus Cormier if that were to happen on an ESPN pay per view card. So a numbered event is what I think is is what I think would happen if that fight were to ever materialize. And how would you see that rematch going? Um. So that's a good question. Um. Are Are you talking about Nangano versus Cormier? Stipe. Oh, okay. Oh, so if that rematch were to happen, I think it would be the exact thing. I think Nangano uh, gasses out too much. Steve is overall the better fighter and, and has the better wrestling pedigree, and he would easily win again. But if it's DC versus Nangano, that's a that's a fight that I would want to watch. That that's for that's for sure. Yeah, me too. That's a fight where that's a fight where Cormier would need to be very careful. And if I were Cormier, I'd do everything I could. To just take it to the ground as quickly as possible and just lay on Ningano. Tighter him out, lay on him, throw some elbows, uh, soften him up a little bit, and, and maybe submit him with a rear naked choke. If he stands with Ningano, oh man, that's gonna that's gonna be nightmares. Yeah. That will be nightmares. Yeah. So there's a lot uh, a lot riding on this fight this weekend. A lot of different possibilities right. it could lead to. I'm super excited about it. Um I want to move, Brent. If you if you were to grade the card this weekend, just from a fan perspective, with it being on regular ESPN, would you ur- would you would you urge um not that? How would you how would you grade how would you how would you grade the card overall from a quality perspective? I mean, from the fights that we've talked about, you know, Anders versus Moriera, um, Ramos versus Newson, Paul Craig versus Manyfield, Maya versus Martin. Benavidez versus Formiga, Dos Santos versus Ingano. These are these are just great matchups all around. Um, if you notice, I don't know, it's kind of like a trend, but a lot of the a lot of the fights are either two guys who have the complete exact same style or two guys who have complete opposite styles. And um, right, I really like it. I think it's just like it's an intriguing intriguing card. Um. You know, to give it a letter grade is really hard for me, but I'll just say that I'm really excited about this card. I don't have complaints about it. I think it fulfills my UFC uh, needs for the weekend. Me either. I agree. And it's a card that, you know, I'm very grateful it is on free TV. That way all the new fans of the UFC can watch it. That is something something to also bear in mind because this... This card's good enough to go on ESPN Plus, but thankfully the UFC made the right decision and put it on Winnie ESPN. I completely so, agree. That's a, yeah, that's a big that's a big help. I'm with you on that one. So uh, I want to talk about some other news in the UFC. Uh, Nico Price he finally got his next fight booked. So uh, it's at Nico the Hybrid Price on Twitter if you want to follow him. Um, I'm assuming he will follow you back. He's super interactive, super friendly guy. Uh, if you tweet at him, he'll most likely tweet back at you. So 
follow um, Nico the Hybrid Price on Twitter. He got his next fight booked against Geoff Neal, set for UFC 240 in Edmonton. Uh, if you guys don't know about Geoff Neal, I mean, this guy's striking is insane. Like he puts all of his kind Ridiculous. of all of his striking together super well. Um, what we know from Nico Price is that he has that one shot KO power, uh, but we use we only see it in his hands, right? And right. And what we see from Neil is that he can KO you with any limb on his body. Super tough matchup for both guys, and I think this is a fight you do not want to miss. This could, in my opinion, this could be on a pay per view main card. And should be. Wait, is it was it put was it put on the prelims for UFC two forty? I don't think they or, they they uh, announced that yet. They just announced it to be on UFC two forty, but they didn't they didn't say if it was going to be a prelim fight or not. I hope we see this fight on the main card because this is fireworks. I'm expecting uh, a first round KO in this fight. I maybe a second round KO. Um, my heart's with Nico on this one, man. You think he can win the fight? I think it's a super tough fight for both guys. I mean, Geoff gets hit too. So, I mean, both guys get hit. What we saw from Nico Price versus Tim Means, we saw Means control the fight. Put Nico on his back a couple times, but uh, Nico was really smart. He was even giving limbs to Tim Means in order for Means to kind of take the bait so Nico could better his position. He's super intelligent on the ground. His jiu-jitsu is, gets better every fight. Uh, but then, you know, at the end of the day, Nico was able to get back on his feet, and then he put put uh, Means away with one shot, and I think he can do that to anybody in the world. So I, I think he has a really solid chance to beat Neil. I'm really interested to see what the odds are coming into this. Yeah, that's a fight that I think people are going to overlook. I mean, that's that's on the same card as uh, Edgar and is the main event, and um, you know, Chris Cyborg and Felicia Spencer, which should be a whitewash, but I don't know. That, by the way, that is Chris Cyborg's final fight under the UFC contract. The Felicia Spencer fight. She's and said she's going to look uh, elsewhere um, after after the Spencer fight if she doesn't get the Nunez rematch. That, that's what she told Ariel Hawani a couple weeks ago. She'll get the so that's a, Yeah, I agree. I agree. But, yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's also an intriguing card so far from the fight statement out. So, yeah. That's July 27th in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. That's a, that's a, that's a card that I think people are overlooking because 239 is so oh good. No one's really talking about 240. 241, we obviously don't know, but 242, uh, oh yeah, 241, we know, but uh, 239 and 242 are the ones that are generating buzz right now, but the cards in the middle are really not, so it'll be interesting to see how they promote the next couple after uh, IFW concludes next week, so we'll see. Love it. Uh, There's some other news too, so Desmond Green... Uh, he got charged with DUI manslaughter. Uh, I think last year he got into a car accident and there was a couple fatalities. You want to talk about that a little bit, Zan? So, um, from my understanding, uh, when it first came out, uh, no one really knew he was at fault for it until yesterday. 
and he's also won his last two fights since the crash. And everything, and everybody thought he was fine. And then all of a sudden, they came out that uh, he was charged with DUI manslaughter, which most likely means his career could either be over or take a huge hit. And it's a it's a bummer because I did enjoy watching Desmond Green fight. This is Nick. This is MMA news that I was not expecting yesterday at all. That's for sure. Sam, super fat bummer. I know. I know. Um. Anyway, I just kind of wanted to talk about that for a sec. I don't want to put too much attention on on that situation right now. Uh, but lastly, there's some uh, that news on O'Malley. You know, he tested positive. Um, they're saying it's a contaminated substance, contaminated supplement that he that he took. He wasn't deliberately cheating or anything. No type of EPO situation like that. Um, That's right, and he and he even openly apologized to everybody. But he said he made it very clear that he was not at fault at all. That's what he. That's what he. That's what he said. So, but at the same time, it's like you got to have a smarter team around you. This is the second time in a I row. Know. In a row, he was supposed to fight on the what was it two twenty nine with Khabib and yeah, uh, Khabib and Connor, Connor. Man. Yeah, he was supposed to be on that card. I know. And I was super excited to see him. Everyone was super excited to see him fight again. And now it's just... It's a, it's a huge bummer, man. I hate to see this happen to him. What do you think a just punishment is for him? I I mean, if it's a second offense, I think it should be one year to two years suspension. But the issue with... If you do two years, then it wipes away his whole prime of his career. Um, I think... With him being such a draw that he is, and so many people like his personality, the the, the soft punishment would be six months. But I, I don't think the NSAC is going to do that, considering this is his second offense. So I think they're looking at a potential two year suspension, or or maybe or maybe they'll go lighter and maybe they'll retroactively uh, reduce it to eighteen months. I don't know. So, well, because the thing is, he didn't get suspended by USADA. It was the Athletic Commission, right? That's correct. Yep. So which, wonder, is what, which is what I said. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what the NSAC is going to do, but with it being his second offense, it's got to be a little bit of a larger punishment than what it was the first time. So. Huge bummer. I know. But still, though, even even if you take that fight off, UFC two thirty nine is a tremendous card. Um, the last thing. The last thing I did want to briefly touch on with you is that uh, Dana White did a sit-down interview with Brett Okamoto of ESPN a couple days ago, and uh, and he said that he hasn't spoken uh, to Conor McGregor since uh, since um, the end of May, early June. And I wanted to know, uh, I wanted to know what your thought on, what your thoughts are on this of Dana taking the conservative approach of not really mentioning Conor all that much. He says that he might show up to the fight in Abu Dhabi. He might not. What's your What's your whole take on the Conor McGregor uh, situation? Uh, my take on that is that in order for Conor to remain a draw, he can't be in the spotlight twenty four seven. He can't. There needs to be some suspense. Um, I don't really want to compare it to like when Brock Lesnar was was a uh, reannounced like come back and fight when he got his fight announced with a. Uh, was it Mark Hunt? Yes. So, 
I just think what what the UFC, what the fans, what everyone needs is kind of just like a tolerance break for McGregor, to be honest. And I think that that's what Dana and the UFC are trying to implement right now. So there's some sort of shock factor when they reannounce something for Conor. I think that's what's, that's what's going to happen. I think it's it's just kind of like a tolerance break to get Conor out of everyone's system for a little bit. And then I think one one morning everyone's going to wake up to the news that Conor is fighting for whether if it's for the belt or not. But he's going to have some big fight booked. And it's going to I think it's just going to be like that. I think one day when we least expect it, it's just going to this news is going to drop that he has a fight booked. And I think it's going to be similar to what we've seen in the past with not much of a, a build up. I think it's going to be like I think when he got his fight booked with Mayweather, it was like not like what was it not even two months in advance or something. I think yes. it's going to be something like That's that. Right. I think it's going to be something like that. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like, if in October we get uh, an announcement that he's fighting on, on the New Year's card. Something like that. Interesting. Um, actually, John Kavanaugh, his coach, is proposing that if Nate Diaz beats Anthony Pettis, that he'd like to see Conor fight Nate in, at Madison Square Garden. That's what they That's what they want, supposedly, from inside Conor's camp. That's what they want. I really I like the fight between Diaz and Pettis, but what sucks about it is if Diaz loses, which he probably will, a three round decision depending on the the cardio, the pace. Because what we see from Nate is he's a slow starter, and I really right. don't like that this fight is three rounds because it gives Pettis uh, opportunity to showcase his skills um, on a on a slow starting Diaz, and then he'll probably pull off like a unanimous decision in my opinion. And just based off of that, it's going to throw away the trilogy fight, which kind of sucks. I mean, I hope my heart's again, my heart's with Diaz, though, uh, to win that fight, because I really do want to see that trilogy. But maybe it's just not meant to be. I don't know. I'm with you. I agree. I think regardless of who Connor fights next, it's going to be a big deal, whether it's Khabib or Dustin for the belt or Diaz. Or even another fight like Justin Gaethje, for for example. I don't know, but yeah, I, I agree with you when it comes to all of the stuff regarding the suspense and everything. So, I mean, let's just hypothetically say that uh, that Poirier and Khabib fight, and it's a split decision. It's a really, really close fight. Um, I think if that happens, regardless of the winner, I think. Um, if it's a really, really close fight, there might even be an immediate rematch between the two if it's kind of like a controversial fight. And then I think that's the only kind of way we can see a Ferguson versus McGregor fight is if uh, Khabib and Poirier need to somehow rematch each other immediately. Other than that, I don't know what they're gonna, who they're going to give McGregor besides a Diaz. or I don't even think he would take a Gaethje fight. I, I, have, um, I have a question. So if the Khabib... Poirier's fight is really close and it's controversial like you're saying it could be. Do we see the rematch take place in the United States? If that were if that were, were to happen because this fight's in Abu Dhabi. Yeah, this we're we'll 100% 100% will see it back in the United States, no doubt. Where would the where would the hey, be? could they bring the UFC to Louisiana for his hometown and do the rematch in Louisiana or would they do it in Vegas? Damn, that's a that's a good take. I think because of the, to be honest with you, I think because of the pay, 
because of like the the less amount of tax you pay in Nevada and both of these guys are going to be making like a stack on this fight they'd probably take it back to Vegas just for pay reasons but i think what would benefit Dustin if he really puts on a clinic on Khabib in the in the first fight then they would probably do something like give uh give Dustin the true home court advantage and give it to him in his backyard in Louisiana Poirier beats Khabib, do we see a rematch or no? Or 100%, 100%. 100%. No matter how, no matter how Poirier wins? Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how? No, it doesn't matter it, how. I think, um, I think we'll see an immediate rematch regardless. Wow. And I think that's Poirier, a, I think Poirier gives it to Khabib too, honestly. Do like you I, think, do you think, do you, do you think he wins the fight or do you think he just gives it to him? What do you mean? Like, you're saying that you think Pori is going to give it to Khabib. Do you think Poirier uh, gives it to him as in he gives him a great fight? Or do you think Poirier beats Khabib? I, I was, what I meant by that was I think Poirier gives the rematch to Khabib after the fight if he wants it. He'll, okay. Because I think, imagine if Poirier beat Khabib twice. That is really solidifying yourself. And even if uh, Poirier wins the first one and then Khabib wins the second one, that's an amazing trilogy setup. I think, um, I think Poirier would for sure take advantage of Khabib's fan base, and uh, definitely offer the immediate rematch. And honestly, I'm kind of scared for Khabib in this fight because what we've seen is, I mean, not name the Conor McGregor fight. Conor did okay in that fight, but. What we've seen in the past is like the guys who really give Khabib danger are southpaws. And um, someone with the kind of boxing and the chin and the cardio that Poirier has. I'm just curious to see how his takedown defense is. But if Poirier can keep it on the feet, like we saw round three Khabib versus McGregor. If, if we see the same thing from Poirier where Poirier is on his feet and he's kind of putting Khabib on his heels a little bit. This could be really bad for Khabib. So I would I not rule out Poirier at all. Overall, overall, I just hope it's an amazing, legendary five-round war. It's what I is what I hope is what I hope happens out of that, and it's great because the pay-per-view starts at three o'clock in the states. So that will be that will be an awesome afternoon UFC pay-per-view that I can't wait for. That's for that's for sure. Well said, man. That's for sure. All right, Zane, we've done a uh, we've done an hour, man. We've done an hour. I appreciate I appreciate you a, a lot getting on the podcast, man. It meant a lot. Uh, it was nice to have someone awesome. to, uh, you know, kind of bounce back and forth with with our ideas. I actually hope I can get you back on soon. You're a pleasure to talk with, man. Absolutely. Anytime, anytime you want me back on, just let me know. Um, I always try to watch every UFC that I possibly can. So. Yeah, it won't be it won't be the la- it won't be the last time I'll be I'll be on this for sure. Absolutely. Awesome, no man. No question about it. Awesome. So, uh, guys, thanks for tuning in. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at UFC Unwrapped, and also you can follow Zan at uh, at ZanBando99. So it's Z A I N B A N D O nine nine. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, interact with us. We appreciate so much that you guys tuned in. I hope you guys enjoyed all the topics that we talked about today. Good luck to anyone betting on this fight. Um, Stay tuned for the next podcast, which is going to probably come out the same time next week.
um, maybe, maybe next Wednesday. So yeah, guys, have a good, safe weekend. Um, again, Zan, thanks so much for tuning in. You can find this podcast on the Purple Podcast app on your iPhone if you have iOS, or if you have an Android on the podcast app there, you can look it up. Just type in UFC Unwrapped. Uh, and also you can find the link on Twitter, which will be shared shortly after this. Um, all right, man. Out. Peace.